As for me and my household, and the, today's message title is, it kind of goes with what every, everybody has encouraged each other with this morning and words that were said, but this morning's title is, It's Decision Time. It's Decision Time. Because I mean, know we're living in a world right now where it is time for people to decide. It's time for people to make a decision. We're going to open up with the scripture that we started with last week in Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 33, I kind of shocked Jordan this morning. I said, I only got two scriptures. He goes, I think that's a record for the least amount of scriptures you've ever had. But how many know sometimes you don't need 25, 30 scripture verses? Right? There can be so much power just in one or two. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 33 says this. If you remember last week, we talked about this a little bit. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked. But he blesses the home of the righteous. How many want to have a blessed home? Right? A blessed home. As I look over this world we live in, I see that many homes are in trouble. Many homes are in trouble. Not only are they in trouble, but they're troubled. We're dealing with some very chaotic situations and very hectic times today. Can you all agree? We have been for a while now. A lot of things in our homes we have brought upon ourselves. We don't like to hear this, but it's true. A lot of what we have in our homes we brought upon ourselves by the way we do things and by the way we operate as families in the home. Can I ask you a question? I want you to think about this. What happened to the days when families used to sit down and eat together and laugh together, cry together, or share the word of God together? I've been in homes even to this day, where you go in or if you go over for dinner, you go in, everybody's just eating wherever they want. Everybody's either sitting and eating in front of the TV or, or sitting and eating over here. This one's on their cell phone in their bedroom eating. They can do whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want. But what happened to the days when families sat around the table together? Some of you are like, that happened? Yeah. That, that was a thing? <laughs> it, it was a thing. Before cell phones were a distraction, Facebook was a distraction, and before we simply just got lazy on how the family should operate. I'm going to tell you what happened. This is what happened. Our prayer time and devotion time with the family has been replaced with showtime. HBO. Cable, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Nintendo GameCube, NBA 2K, Call of Duty, Facebook, and all kinds of social media. They have all replaced the spirituality in our lives. If you're like, well, I don't know if that's true. Look back this week and see how much time you spent on everything else compared to how much time you spent with God. Texting has taken the place of conversation. People don't even talk to each other anymore. They could be sitting just in the other room. And they would rather send a text instead of coming out and opening their mouths to speak to somebody. Anybody got a text from somebody that's in the other room and say, hey, can you bring me this? Like, it's convenient, right? It's convenient, but it's laziness. I think we've all been guilty of falling into that's convenient, We've, I, if you're sitting here this morning, you say, I've never done that. You're a liar. <laughs> you're lying. Kids have done that to their parents. 
Or you're right outside and, and your parents will text you to say, hey, can you come give me a hand? Or, or whatever the case may be, because that's where the world's at. Instead of communication, using your voice, talking. If we don't start changing, we're going to start losing and, and we're going to start forgetting how to actually use our mouth and talk because our thumbs do it all now. Texting has come into something that has taken control. This is what's happened. I'll tell you what else has happened. You ready? When we allowed them to try to take prayer out of our schools, that's what happened. When we allowed them to try to take our rights to discipline our children, that's what happened. When we stopped making church a priority and families no longer go to prayer meetings together, that's what happened. Some of you don't like this and you might say, well, Pastor John, I think you're just blowing some smoke. Next time I call a prayer meeting, let's see how many families with kids show up. It's hard to hear. Well, Pastor John, I got kids, I got kids, I got kids, I got kids. Let me tell you what, your kids will appreciate when they get older that you made God's house a priority. A priority. It didn't matter growing up if I had school the next day or not. If prayer meeting went till 9, 10 o'clock at night, I was there till 9, 10 o'clock at night because my family knew that that was more important than anything else. Because can I tell you what? Your kids can have the best education in the world. And I'm not saying education is wrong. But you can completely strive for your kids' education, your kids' sports skills, and all these different things. But that will not get them into heaven one day. That's not what's important. Their social life is not what's most important. Their relationship with God is what's most important. Some of my memories growing up are not greatest memories are not sports this side or the other it's being in a service where the spirit moved and seeing everybody worship even till nine ten o'clock at night even if i fell asleep for an hour as a five six year old kid on the seat or under the seat and wake up and people are still praising and worshiping even after i took a nap because it was a priority you know what my mom would do a lot of times she would purposely put our, us kids in our pajamas to bring us to night service or prayer meeting that way doesn't matter what time we got home, she could just put us right in bed afterwards. But I see the lack and desire today compared to what we used to have. Another thing is we're not taking the time to learn the Word of God anymore like we should. It's pretty sad when pastors these days have to like beg people to praise God. Beg them to, to worship God and plead with them to stand on their feet or to clap their hands or even though God has given them life and more abundantly, they act like they got no life at all. Can I tell you this? Can I tell you that everybody that's talking about God isn't serious about God? And a lot of them are in the church. We got a lot of talkers. Because how I many know an easy place to talk is in the church? But can I tell you this? What's most important is not what you talk like when you're in church. It's not how you worship when you're in church. It's what you do when you leave this church. When you leave the building and you realize that I am the church and wherever I go, my praise goes with me. Yeah. 
How do I know that everybody talking about God isn't serious about God? Because there's no way that you can say that you truly love and appreciate God when you can't spend more than Sunday with him. When you can't spend more than one day a week with God, don't tell me you're serious about God. Don't tell me you truly love God if you can only spend one day. And it's not even a day for some of you. It's maybe two hours on Sunday morning. That's not even a whole day. But we truly love and appreciate and honor God. It's amazing that we're using God's air daily and we're constantly using his strength and we don't communicate, we don't commune, and we don't even talk to him in prayer like we should anymore. If this isn't for you this morning, this isn't for you, but it's for someone. Some of us are even intimidated to deal with our own household. Some of us are too scared to run the devil out of our homes. How do I know this? Let me prove it to you. I remember in the days, and I mentioned this last week, I remember in the days when you lived at mom and dad's house, during those days it wasn't if you wanted to go to church, it's you're going to church. Some of you young people are not going to like me after this morning again. It's not if you wanted to go, it's you're going to go to church. And let me tell you this, at least when I was growing up, there wasn't going to be any back talk about it. Because back then, you were allowed to discipline your children. But now everybody's scared to. There was no back talk. But these days, we're too timid to even talk to them about church or even talk to them about God. Can I tell you why some of you are intimidated by it? This is going to be hard to swallow, but chew on it and swallow it. The reason some people in church are too timid to talk to their kids, especially their teenagers, about church is because the person telling them is living two different lives. Because the problem is this, if you're living, and if we're living our lives any other kind of way, if they hear us cussing and fussing around the house, and if they hear us talking about people all day long in a negative way, it would be hard to convince our kids that you're serious about the God you say you serve. Two different lifestyles. How many know we have some dysfunctional families? Right? That's, the, that's, that's just natural. We have dysfunctional families. But, think for, but don't think for a moment that that's anything new. The Bible had many dysfunctional families. I'm not going to go all into detail, but Adam and Eve had a dysfunctional family. Noah had a dysfunctional family. I'm just going to give you some scenarios here. You can look them up and study to show yourself approved. Job had a dysfunctional family. The dude's wife told him to cuss God and die. Pretty dysfunctional. Right? I would probably have a little issue with my wife if I was going through a hard time and she said, you need to cuss God and die. I'd be like, listen, woman. <laughs> you need to take a step back. Chill out a little bit. Go pray in the closet. Go do something. Right? That was dysfunctional. Abraham had a dysfunctional family. And can I tell you this? If God is not number one in your home or in your family, your family will also become dysfunctional. And this is where we need to make our decisions. So as we look at the text of the call that Israel was to make a decision for the Lord. Let's read Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. 
Now fear the Lord. Everybody say now. Now Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. So note the word now. This indicates, if you study before this scripture, that the Lord's personal message to Israel had now ended. And that Joshua himself now was giving an exhortation to the Israelites. Up to this point, Joshua had been preaching the prophetic message of the Lord. But now he shared from his own heart. This is his final message to the people, the last opportunity he will ever have to extend an invitation to call people to make a decision. Think about that. If, this, if you knew for sure this was your last day to live, would you try to get other people and as many as you could to make a decision? If you knew this was the last day you had to live, who would you call on the phone or text or email or get in contact with to tell them you need to make a decision. But the awesome thing is, is unless God decides to bring us home, this might not be our last day. So instead of having the attitude of, well, if this is the last day I have, I'm going to do it. Why wait until it's your last day? When you could tell people now it's time to make a decision. I'm not saying you walk up to somebody and say, hey, you need to make a decision. But you need to present the gospel to people so they have enough knowledge to be able to make a decision. To know. Can I tell you this? Some people don't believe it, but there are some people that simply have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are. And you might think, oh, it's just in places in other countries and stuff like that. Let me tell you what, there's people in the United States of America that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you right now, this is not the, the, churches, the church building's problem. This is not the church building's uh, mistake that why people, it's not the, the pastor's uh, failure or shortcoming, why all these people do not know about the salvation gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the lack of the church rising up to say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And not only will we serve the Lord, but we want to go out and make sure other people know that they can serve the Lord too takes everybody in the church, the kingdom of God. He shares from his own heart, this is his final message to the people. This is one of the most straightforward invitations ever given. One of the most clear-cut decisions ever presented to people. So the strong exhortation was straightforward. Joshua challenged the people to take immediate action. Immediate and to get right with God. Can I strongly suggest to each and every one of us today that it's time for us to make sure that we're right with God? That we're right with God. There were two actions necessary in the scripture. First was for the people to get right with God. Okay, that doesn't seem all that complicated. But the second was, in order for them to get right with God, the people had to learn to fear the Lord. They had to learn to fear the Lord. We must know that God is not only the head of our lives, but He is the head of our life. And the second thing was that people must 
put away false gods and false worship. And they were to serve the only true Lord. There was no neutral ground. You had a choice to make. Notice that Joshua actually charged the people to put away false gods and false worship. You might say, well, Pastor John, I'm not, I don't have any false gods or false worship. If you have anything above God, it's an idol in your life. If you can't go to bed without watching Netflix, but you're okay with going to bed without reading your Bible, there's an idol in your life. If you can do everything else and you make sure that everything else you want to do, you do, but God is nowhere on that list, there's idols in your life. We see in the text, we see that Joshua had gotten to be an old man now. It's probably about Alan's age. He gets a couple Sundays off where I don't mess with him, and then I have to bring it back, you know? So, <laughs> so he lived a long time. <laughs> Amen. In his earlier years, he spent time serving the great liberator named Moses. And in his earlier years, he spent it leading God's people into battle and into the promised land. In his years, he's seen some things, Right? How many, how many would have loved to have been there and seen everything he saw? Everything that they went through? Yeah, I don't know about everything, but, you know, it had been cool to be there kind of in the background to watch. I don't know if I'd want to be right in the action at that some of the moments, but, but he had been through some stuff. He's seen the plagues in Egypt. He saw the parting of the Red Sea, and I'd love to have been there. And he took a trip through the desert. That I'd be all right without. But Joshua had seen a lot of things. And he knew for his children's sake that a declaration needed to be made. Can I tell you what? When you make a declaration for your home, it's not just for your sake. It's for your whole family's sake. It's for your children's sake. Right? From, the, from a newborn baby all the way up to the oldest person living in your house. It's for everyone. So now he's an old man and he has lived a full life. He has been strong and courageous as God has commanded him. Listen now, he's been scarred from a hundred battles. He has known the power and the presence of God in and on his life. And now he recognizes that his death is near. So he gathers his family members. And he summons the leaders together so that he can give his final address. If you were to give a final address, what would it be? We don't like thinking about that because we don't like thinking about death. But we're all dying. From the day you were born. You were on a journey to death. Like now he's now pastor's getting really dark this morning. Like, what's going on? It's true. I'm not, and look, some of, some of you, some of us might not, I, I'm praying that none of us die a natural death and God's going to come back soon and we're all going to be able to go when, he, the, when the rapture happens, right? But how many know we can't guarantee that? 
We can't. But I don't want to wait till I know that I'm dying or, my fi- or wait till I have an opportunity to say some last few words to then and only then be able to encourage people in the faith. I mean, that's what they do a lot at funerals. Right? You go to a funeral, and I've done many funerals, and they want you to address the scripture, and they want you to address salvation, and this, that, and the other, which is great. I'm a, I love doing that, because people need to hear the truth. But why wait till someone dies to tell everybody in your family about Jesus? It's like it's the only moment that people in the family will tell other people in the family, but they don't do it. They get the pastor to do it at the funeral. Why should it wait to get to that point for a loved one to die for a pastor to present the gospel and the salvation message to your family? That should be your responsibility every day of your life. To share the gospel of Jesus with your friends and when you're, with your family members. Not wait till death, but do it while you're alive because you've got life and have it more abundantly and you want everybody else to have the same thing. But it's a decision you have to make. He gathers his family for his final address. He says to them, I've been with you a long time now. And we've had some good times and we've had some bad ones too. I mean, you can attest to that, right? You've had some good times and you've had some bad times. But, he says, now is decision time. This is what he's saying here. Now is decision time. He says, some of you have been serving idol gods and some of you have been serving wooden gods. Some of you have been serving lamb and sheep and goats and all kinds of gods, but now it's decision time. Can I tell you what? Some of you sitting here this morning have, done, has, have been doing your own thing and serving everything else but God up until this point. And as the pastor that not just is up here just preaching, but because I love you and I want to see you enter heaven someday and have a relationship with him here and now, you need to make a decision. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not. We shall mention that. We're not promised tomorrow. So why put off what could be accomplished today? When you're not even guaranteed another day. Some of you have said before, well, I'll wait till this calms down, or I gotta wait till that calms down, or I gotta wait for this, I gotta wait for that. Waiting can kill you. Waiting can destroy you. Because if you put, keep putting it off as a waiting game, and if God were to come back today, where would you spend eternity because you just wanted to wait? This is important. I know it's not easy to hear, but it's important. He said, if it seems undesirable to you to serve the Lord, choose yourself this day whom you will serve. Joshua had been through a lot. Now listen to me. I know that a lot of you have seen a lot. I know that a lot of you have been through a lot and some hard times. And I know that a lot of you this morning sitting here have been hurt more times than you want to remember. But I'm here to tell you that it is time to take your eyes off man. It's time for you to stop worshiping idol gods and lean on the everlasting arms of God instead. Pastor John, I'm not worshiping lambs and goats and sheep. 
I'm going to simply put it like I already said. Anything that you have above God is an idol in your life. Anything. In other words, it's time to make a declaration on this day by saying, for God I'll live and for God I'll die. Can you say that this morning? Have you made that decision in your mind where you say, for God I'll live and for God I'll die? Because when you say, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord, what you're saying is, come what may, no matter what you say, what you try to do to me, even if you try and kill me, and even if you succeed, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. For God I live, and for God I die. 